Hi, this is the Rocket Recovery, and this is Angie Meadows. And this is Josh Bond. And today we're in the uh, Rocket Recovery Detachment book, uh, principle number five. Means Detachment means minding my own business. It means for me to stop meddling, Josh. Yes. <laughs> Yes. When I meddle, I know I'm meddling because I it comes back at me and I get in trouble. Yes. <laughs> so if you're meddling in somebody else's business, you know, sometimes they didn't ask for your help. Yeah. <laughs> so kick us off with the introduction. If I'm minding my own business, I will have the energy to address my issues and be positioned with others who can mentor, encourage, and hold me accountable. Hmm. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to study, to be quiet, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, just as we told you to do in 1 Thessalonians 4.11. So this is Paul instructing them, and he says, study to be quiet, have a quiet life, mind your own business. So if your life's not quiet, you might not be minding your own business. Yeah. So it's isn't that in recovery called cleaning up your side of the street? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's look at the lesson, identifying my behaviors. Here's some questions I want you to answer. What unhealthy emotions would would I like to resolve? Worry, fear, stress, anger, depression, etc. Okay. So I'm if I'm what am I worried about? Is it somebody else's problem? What am I angry about? Is it something somebody else did? What am I depressed over? Is it something else that somebody else is depressed and when I walk away from them I pick up their problems and their depression? <laughs> you know, what is that? Am I minding my own business? So can I refuse trauma drama? Sometimes I create drama and cause myself unnecessary trauma. This keeps me in an emotionally heightened state. It would be equivalent to living my life on a roller coaster or in a war zone. Engaging in my trauma drama locks my body into a fight or flight response and gives me a physical maladies of stress. This blocks me from being available emotionally to others. It places me in a react mode and not in a proactive mentality. So here's some questions. How do I act when I lose my car keys? All right. Do you freak out or do you say, okay? Let's see. I didn't put them there. I didn't put them there. Let's think about it. Where's my extra set? Okay, keep going. How do I respond to an inconvenience or interruption? So I was on the elevator today, and uh, the lady got off, and then she realized she had to get back on. But we were already going down. We'd already pushed the button, and she was going to have to wait and go back up. Oh, she was throwing a fit. And I was thinking, you know, if my worst problem was just, you know, three-minute inconvenience, riding the elevator back down and back up, I would be okay. But in my past days, I would make that a crisis. That yeah. would have been just something that would have like one more thing to irritate me. So when you have these little irritations, I want you to practice not being irritated, but being patient with circumstances. And that way you'll develop that muscle of patience. What would it look like to practice the skill of flexibility? So if somebody calls and says, hey, I need you here at nine and not 10. I need you here tomorrow and not today. You know, is this something that's going to be a upsetting to me or am I going to exercise that flexibility muscle? That's a character skill that I need to work on. And there are a lot of people um, that get rigid and can't transition. You'll see this in children. Um, they can't transition from one activity to the next. So if you are not flexible with things, you're going to have more struggles. And what I want you to do is start giving yourself a time limit. Okay, in 15 minutes, I'm going to stop this activity. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do another thing. Okay, in 15 minutes, it's going to be time to go. You know, give yourself some space to make that transition, just like you would a child. Oh, take a day and evaluate how much stress you allow in your life. What would it look like if you didn't sweat the small stuff? Hmm. 
Hmm, what would that look like? Because there's a lot of little things, Josh, that just make me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I have worked on not letting it make me crazy. And if if uh, I allowed trash to make me crazy, I'd be crazy all the time. Because yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of trash. Yeah. <laughs> Cleaning up after a hoarder, and there's just been years of uh, dispensing of trash. And and this this was irritating until I was like, okay, this is just my job, just to carry the trash. Yeah. And what I learned is if I don't, really dispose of it and get it off the property i just have to pick it up again i have yeah. to rebag it again i have to figure it out it gets drugged back in the house again <laughs> so you take care of your trash get rid of it and this is why you buy truckloads of bags that's right <laughs> garbage bags garbage bags. yes my christmas presents please yes. just give me trash bags contractor trash bags <laughs> it is difficult to help anyone else if i'm not good at confirmation confrontation confrontation Ooh. keenly I'm aware of my ability to make a mountain out of an anthill. Sometimes I can be over-focused on a minor issue because of a major situation. I cannot change or control. The person I cannot safely confront can be making life-threatening decisions and my emotions can be so overwhelming that I shut down and over-focus on little things. Now, there was a time that, you know, I had this back injury. I couldn't really remember bed. They kept giving my husband three months to live, six months to live. You know, my son was overdosing. I couldn't control anything, but I could get up at 2 in the morning and clean my baseboards and have the kitchen painted before anybody got out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Just just making sure the house was spotless was something I could control. And then I realized that, oh, wait a minute, I'm micromanaging. (laughs) I'm managing things in my life that are very small and trivial because there's so many things out of control. And if that's what you're doing, I want you to stop. I want you to back up. If you're hyper-focused on money, on the checkbook, on what's where, you know, I just want you to stop. I want you to take a deep breath and I want you to um, enjoy your day a little more. Yeah. 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 Can I work through my emotions before I confront someone? Okay, so let's talk about this confrontation. Uh, if you've been in domestic violence, if you've been in volatile situations, confrontation's not been safe. So sometimes we can't always confront people. Um, so you want to pick safe people in your life that you can go and talk to and maybe leave their hurt, your hurts there. Um, because other ones, you just sometimes you just can't confront them yeah. because now it's your fault. Now yeah. it's your problem. And now they can't hear you anyway. And you know they can't. So if you know they can't hear you anyway, sometimes you just need to move in a different uh, way around them and don't give them the access to flip your words. Uh, if it's somebody that's safe to confront, then that's probably a safe person in your life. Yeah. And and they may not be able to fix it, but they may be able to say, wow, I'm really sorry you're hurting. I'm really, I didn't mean it that way. So start right here. Can I wait several days and work through my own emotions before I confront someone? Spend the time asking yourself some questions. Base your answers on your past experiences with this person and what you already know about their character. So what is my responsibility and what is not my responsibility? That's one thing I want you to ask yourself before you confront them. Am I being petty and is this any of my business? So when I would spend three days thinking about a really bad irritation that I had with my husband, uh, in three days I couldn't remember what it was or I had a scripture, 
he his heart was ready and he was coming to I had prayed about it for three days so he was coming to me and asking what am I doing wrong and I could tell him because I'd already prayed about it I'd already asked God to prepare his heart I'd I'd already laid it down and decided I wasn't going to make a mountain out of it it was just going to be something gentle I was going to approach him when that door came open for me to do so and it really made life better much better so here we go before I give counsel to someone, I ask myself, do I have a strong relationship with this person? Have I earned the right to be heard? Are they asking for my counsel? Yeah. So if I'm just randomly giving out advice, I might it might be coming back at me. They might be like, who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah, they'll take offense. <laughs> yeah, but if yeah. I've got a really strong relationship with them and I can go up and say, now, if I see something in your life, would you want me to point it out? Yeah. That's totally different. Yes, it is. Yeah. Definitely. If not, I can back up and detach from their issue. Ooh, detach from their issues. Sometimes if a person I love isn't asking for counsel, I wait. If I see something clearly in their life that is going to cause them trouble, I will ask them. If I see something in your, in your life that is out of balance, would you want me to tell you? This places them in a listening mode and makes me the coach or encourager. It also gives me permission to speak freely in love and respect their boundary if they say no. Then I can be quiet and not worry about it. Maybe they will be ready later and come back and ask for counsel. This, all of, this also validates them as a capable person who can make their own decisions. Then I ask myself more questions. I can discern these answers based on my past experiences with this person. If I confront them, will they make me suffer <laughs> more with their bully and their raging or their pouting? Uh, so some people don't have the skills to um, allow you to speak into their life and to change. Instead, it's somebody else's fault. So you have to decide whether or not, you know, who you're confronting, whether or not they're safe. Will they make excuses? Will they blame me? Will this be a productive conversation? Is this person emotionally stable enough to be confronted? Are they going to escalate to violence? Are my emotions under control? Or I, am I just going to be the abuser? Now, that's why I sometimes wait three days, Josh. Because if my emotions are high, I'm not speaking out of love. I'm speaking out of anxiety. Yes. I'm speaking out of fear. I'm speaking out of anger. I want to get rid of those emotions and speak out of love. Yeah. Does that make sense? Fact, yeah. So I always heard that, you know, don't let the sun go down. You got to talk about it right away. You can't go. To, but, you know, I have found that, that that's true in some situations with safe people that you love, that you can kind of work through your emotions with them. But with other people that can't handle emotions, they're going to soak them up and spit them back at you. You know, you got to wait a little while. You got to work through your emotions so you're coming in love. So will the results of this conversation likely add to my suffering? Am I being passive aggressive in my behaviors? This makes my environment more unstable for me and my loved ones. And a passive aggressive is defined as ignoring an obvious problem until you explode from irritation or frustration. I think they call that the elephant in the room. <laughs> right here. Is this person sober? Is he hungover? Is he in a drug-seeking mood? Mode? Drug seekers do a dance of rationalizing why they need their substance of choice. If you are attentive, you can identify a pattern of words or behaviors before a binge. Hmm. Yeah, you can hear it coming. Yeah. 
Uh, sometimes I leech confrontation with this passive aggressive behaviors. This is not patience. This is not love. Uh, there is a part of me that wants to be patient, but this good behavior of patience shouldn't make me a doormat to get run over. When it does, I may become aggressive. Neither is good. So there needs to be a consistency in the way that I behave. It takes energy to address issues on a consistent basis with empowering problem-solving skills. Have I already confronted this person with the same issue many times before I need to accept their decision or empower myself to move on? Hmm. Okay. What emotional baggage am I carrying that will interrupt my peaceful day? Anger, sadness, fear, disgust, loneliness? Pick one and journal about it here. Where do you feel the most helpless? So where do you feel the most helpless when it comes to confronting something that's not right in your life? I want you to think about that. Now, I want you to name some trusted friends, some trusted counselors, some people that you could go to, that you could talk things over with before you would confront anybody else. So let's look at some more self-evaluation. Was there an event in childhood that caused me to become unbalanced? So if so, Josh, I might be triggered by things that really are trivial that wouldn't normally trigger a person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, like I can remember people in my life being really triggered over which way the toilet paper was hung yeah. or which way the toothpaste was squeezed. Yeah. And I think it's because there's bigger things in their heart and in their life that they haven't never resolved. Yeah. So they want to micromanage and control those smaller things in their life. And so to me that, that means a very small broken inner person so if i'm broken inside if i'm really small i'm gonna be stuck in my emotions and it's gonna be like putting a tablespoon of salt in a glass of water and asking me to drink it it's mm. gonna be yucky yeah but if my love is as big as a lake you know that's fresh water flowing in fresh water flowing out and it just moving and i'm refreshed all the time you put a tablespoon of salt in my lake i'm yeah. not really gonna notice yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, you know, I want to be sure that I have a huge heart of love, of compassion, of my own joy, um, my own peace, ways to be able to regulate my own emotions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, go right here. What is the, the most traumatic thing that has ever happened in my life? Have I resolved the emotional pain from this and, de and detached it from my identity and formed a healthier identity. Okay, so if I have not detached from it, it's like drinking that salty uh, tap water, that salty glass of water. If I have detached from things in my childhood, from things in my past that were very painful, made sure that they're not my identity, but my identities in Christ, mm -hmm. now I am, I'm developing a healthier me. Is this my third or fourth unstable relationship? What part of my past do I keep repeating and trying to resolve? So if you're in your third or fourth uh, unstable relationship, I want you to start um, working on your trauma bonding, working on um, things like that with an experienced counselor. Otherwise, you're just going to get out of this relationship and you're going to repeat it with somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah. Do I believe it, it is my job to fix someone else? Do I consistently attract broken people and attempt to fix them? If so... My people pickers is broken. <laughs> My people picker. Your people picker. <laughs> is that like the pickle? Yeah. <laughs> the pickle joke? <laughs> okay, so do I keep repeating my past? You read the left. Uh, do I... Oh, do I choose friends based upon their appearance? Or do I look for deeper character qualities? Do I have a constant need for approval and affirmation? Can I give myself affirmation? Do I trust too easily? Can I withhold my trust until it is earned? 
Do I move into a relationship too quickly and then get scared and retreat? Can I develop friendships slowly and learn to build trust with others without expectations? Do I watch people and listen to how they talk about others? Can I discern bitterness, anger, or serious unresolved issues in the speech of another? Is my relationship with my parent poor? Can I forgive and accept my family of origin? Do I feel unloved? Can I be kind to myself and work on my recovery journey? Do I constantly feel lonely? Can I reach out to safe and healthy support groups, hobbies, uh, book clubs, other things that put me in group activities with other people, um, Bible studies, ladies groups? Can I develop acquaintances without expectations? Uh, can I identify areas of need in my life that may keep me choosing dysfunctional relationships? Mm, yeah, so let's, let's think about those. Uh, based upon those questions we just asked. Now let's look for a healthier me. What would that look like? What negative, negative mental thinking patterns need to change? Do I ruminate on negativity or can I control my thinking and enjoy my day? Controlling my thinking is a development emotional skill. Hmm. So when I got raising thoughts, Josh, I just regressed. Yeah, <laughs> I just become very small. I've become childlike. I've dropped into one of those regressed emotional states. I don't have the big me in charge. Yeah. And if I let that little kid take over, I'm in a I'm in a deep dark place of fear, anxiety, helplessness, depression, um, moping around, you know that type of stuff. So I want to make sure that I engage the big me. And in sometimes those thoughts have been there so long that you think they're you and you think you're powerless to move them, but you're not. When they start, if you've thought that thought a hundred times and it ends in the same place with you being lonely and depressed, then don't think it no more. Yeah. Take every thought captive to the Word of God, to the daring down of strongholds, and move it. There we go. What emotional response from others caused me the most suffering? Arguing, withdrawing, isolation, misunderstood, bullying, false accusing, misjudging, etc. What could I do differently? You know, sometimes if I know it's going to land in that place, I don't give them access to me. I don't give them much access. I give them less access. I move in. I move out really quick yes. because I know that it's always going to end with them arguing with me uh, and bullying me. So I just move in and out pretty quick. Physically, what goals do I have to become physically healthy and fit? Yeah. <clears throat> we need those goals to be able to take care of our own self financially what goals do I have to become secure in my future yeah am I letting other people take my money am I buying trivial things do I have a budget uh, yeah I'm talking to myself here <laughs> keep going <laughs> what spiritual emotional goals do I have for my life mm, yeah so how am I growing if the Lord's waking you up before 30 or 5 it's because he wants to talk to you get yes. up <laughs> get up you know so um, a lot of times when the Lord wakes me up about 4.40, 4.45, I'm like making excuses. But Lord, you know I didn't get to bed till 11. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know what I got to do. You know what? I'm just getting up. I'm, and he's always got something to tell me. And those wee hours of the morning, man, yeah. I can hear him so clearly. Yeah. I and, and I might sit there rattling for a half hour <laughs> before <laughs> I get out of my head. And then when I hit the scriptures, it's like, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> look at the beautiful things I would have missed if I hadn't have been here. So if the Lord's waking you up, I want you to get up. I want you to just I want you to find your little spot, your little safe spot, and sit there with the Lord and drink your cup of tea, your cup of coffee, and just enjoy that fellowship with the Lord. And you know, Josh, there was a time that 
I got hurt really bad in church and I sought the Lord for many years for others, but I didn't seek him for myself anymore. And I'm not sure other than I just felt like he didn't want to fellowship with me, that I had made a mistake or I had made a misjudgment or, or I had been rejected. And it felt like because I was rejected from another believer that I was rejected from God. Mm-hmm. And it's not true. No, it's not, not true. So there's this time honey, that if you're not going to the Lord because you feel like he doesn't want you, that's a lie. That's (laughs) That's a lie. lie. Because armies of people can't turn him against you. Yes. And not only that, if you know who God is, he is merciful, he is loving, his tender loving kindness endures forever. If you know who your God is, then you're not going to think he's a bully, he's a rager, he's angry at you, he's waiting to beat you up, he's waiting to judge you. That's the law. Amen. That's not grace. That might be somebody in your life that's mistreated you, but that's not God, honey. So I want you to get up, and I want you to enjoy the Father's love and let him comfort your heart. So let's look at this healthy speech evaluation, Josh. The rule is kind, patient, and firm. Do I gossip? Do I nag? Do I complain? Do I slander others? Do I praise and affirm others? Do I consciously smile often? Do I think before I speak? Can I soften my tone and speak slowly? Am I patient with children and pets? Can I apologize for impulsive speech? Can I stop mid-sentence and take a breath and reward my response? Can kindness and patience be my rule, even when I need to be firm? Oh, now let me talk about a couple of these, and then you can talk about one. Okay. So the gossip, nagging, and complaining. If I'm doing this, my husband's not happy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's just not. (laughs) So I have to really kind of sit with that. I kind of have to journal about it. I have to kind of take my complaints to the Lord. And, you know, when Moses complained, um, he was the most humble man around. But when his sister Miriam complained, she got leprosy and got put out of the camp. (laughs) But what she did is she complained against him. Yeah. Instead of taking her complaints to the Lord, she took her complaints to Moses and nagged, gossiped, and complained to him and about him. And the Lord chastened her. <laughs> so if I'm gossiping, nagging, and complaining, I want to sit with the Lord and say, Lord, here's my complaints. I'm sure your shoulders are big enough and wide enough to hold this. And when we're done, we're done, and I'm going to let go of these. Uh, and that way I'm not taking them to somebody else to carry. That's probably nonsense anyway and exaggerated. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. You talk about one. Um, I would say do I slander others because I see people slander others, and I used to do it the same thing is because I was – I was like insecure about myself. So I always think I had to bring people down with me or below me to to be like, mm. you know what I mean, for me to feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't really have a thought about how good of a person. I'm a brother. I'm a king. I'm a prince. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a son of God. I'm I, seated at you know the right I mean? hand. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. so, and I did, really didn't have all that. So I didn't have love. So okay. now that I have all that, I don't have to slander others. I try to help others. There you go. There you, you know go. I also think that it's an active addiction um, thing to blame. Yeah. And it's easier. Victim. Victimization. Yeah. Yes. And yes. if we start slandering others, then we need to start recognizing, whoa, I'm moving into passive recovery and not active recovery, and I need to switch. Yes. So this, uh, number nine, this am I patient with children and pets, that's a good practice ground. 
if you can get down with eye level on children and always be soft, always be gentle, always give them a hug, always tell them you love them. If you cannot yell at the dog when he won't stop barking, but, you know, give him a treat, <laughs> you know, bring him up and level on him. You know, that's a good practice ground for patience. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, because both of those uh, be- take patience. Yes. So let's do a behavior evaluation. This, this lesson's got a lot of evaluations. Do I induce problems to manipulate or control others? Does someone else do this to control me? Hmm. Induce problems to manipulate and control others. Um, yeah, people that are want to move into active addiction, that want to have an excuse to drink or a drug, they will induce a problem. Yeah, anything. We'll do it. Any excuse. <laughs> and then they blame mean? it on you. Yeah, they blame it on you, yeah. <laughs> oh. Or start it off blaming it on you. Yes. Never my fault. Yes. You know what I mean? That's yeah. right. That's active addictive behaviors. Yep. Okay. And the person may be chemically sober, but be addicted to the emotion oh, facts. Of, facts. of raging or of domestic violence. Yes. Uh, and that's still like an addiction. It's a yep. brain chemical that they do, and it's they don't know how to self-regulate. Yeah. So what these detachment lessons are trying to teach us to do is to self-regulate. Okay, right here. Do I harbor bitterness, resentments, or unforgiveness that leaches out of others? out on others and causes instability? So I may not be the aggressor. I may be more of the victim, more of the gentle, uh, always forgiving. But if I carry a wound and I don't take it to the Lord and I don't forgive and I don't deal with it, it will turn to bitterness. Yes. It will. It, and it will hurt me and it, it will block my fellowship with the Lord. Can I observe patterns of dysfunctional behaviors in others? For example, does my loved one escalate an argument with me? <laughs> so they can, so they have an excuse to abuse themselves with toxic substance mm. and blame me. Yeah, that's crazy maker. Yeah. So do others create a new crisis every week or so to emotionally manipulate me financially? This is very common behavior with those that are entitled or in substance use disorder. Can I recognize when others are lying to me? Can I recognize when I am lying and gaslighting myself, <laughs> making excuses? If I hear myself making excuses, uh, people correct me. They're like, oh, there you go again, making excuses for him. And I'm like, you're right. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> am I compelled to offer help when others confide in me about their problems, even when they aren't asking for help? This is a hardcore rescuer enabler. Yes, uh, hardcore rescues, rescuers and enablers, they get their fix by rescuing. Yeah. Um, and that's been my compulsion is to rescue. So uh, Josh and his girl put me on a no rescue contract. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm working on it. Yes. I'm working on being accountable here. Here we go. Can I give compassion without intervening when my loved ones are suffering from consequences of poor choices? And, you know, for me, this is one of the hardest ones. Yeah. Uh, to just, okay. If I intervene, it's just going to actually prolong their suffering. Because, yeah. you know, if you intervene, I get rid of my anxiety. I've solved the in- immediate problem, the fact that they don't have any food or they don't have their meds or whatever. But I just prolong the dysfunctional patterns. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's look at some reflective thinking. How can I practice quiet reflective thinking? Can I set a time of day or a special place to meditate and reflect on my day? So get this set spot and this set time and uh, kind of make it a little a pattern so you're more likely to get there if it's uh, scheduled yeah does that make sense yes it's almost like um on your calendar 
a date with the Lord. There it is, Lord. I'm going to be right there at that point. And then sometimes I'll carry like a little bit of anxiety all day. And I just can't wait to get to my appointment with the Lord. Because <laughs> I know that I'm not getting up until that's, that stuff's discharged or regulated. And, you know, I sometimes I think it's going to take so long. It feels so heavy. But when I get there, Josh, it doesn't take very long. Yeah, It takes just a couple of minutes. And, and man, I've got the peace that passes all understanding. I've got the peace like a river. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, why did I why did I run from this? Why did I hide from the Lord? Why did I resist sitting here? Yeah. Why did I sit there and let that Netflix go on to one more show when <laughs> I could have been sitting right here getting my peace? Because, yeah. you know, that's going to distract me. But when I get up, that anxiety is still there. But when I sit with the Lord and I get a peace that surpasses all understanding, I get up and I'm free. Yeah. Do I understand that often I cannot think my way through a problem no matter how hard or how long I think about it. This is obsessive thinking, not quiet, productive thinking. Yeah, so if I'm obsessing, yeah, I'm just going around the bush. Yeah. <laughs> and it almost seems like I tie God's hands and he's like, how's it working for you, little girl? <laughs> you ready to come to me yet? <laughs> <laughs> Do I know how to meditate on wholesome thoughts? Yeah, so stop meditating on that negative rumination. If you've thought that thought a hundred times, it ain't going nowhere. Stop yeah. thinking it. What can I do to quiet my fears? Hmm. So I want you to get things. I want you to recognize your fears. A lot of times we don't recognize when we're having fear. I want you to recognize your fear, and I want you to start doing things to regulate that, like the slow breathing, like taking a walk, like really being intently in your present moment, listening to birds, uh, playing a game with children. I want you to really be intent on your cooking, whatever it is that you're doing, so that you can stay in that present moment, which is actually the next one. Do you know how to stay in the present moment and enjoy your day? Do I know how to detach from toxic relationships or toxic people and circumstances I cannot control? This skill produces great peace. Great peace. Have they that love the Lord, law of the Lord, and nothing shall offend <laughs> them. So, yeah, detach from that toxicity. What consumes my passive thinking? Passive thinking are uninvited thoughts that take over quickly. And a lot of times this is somebody else's voice. Yes. Um, so when I've got a lot of negative passive thinking, I say to myself, hmm, is this my voice? Is this God's voice? Is this the voice of the enemy? Is this a voice yes, from the past? Right. Is this a voice from, a, from uh, uh, an ex-spouse, an ex-boss, uh, somebody who's condemned me often? Um, because that passive thinking, if it's condemning, it's not the Lord. Yeah. The Lord's uh, thoughts and his words to me are rich and loving and kind yes. and patient and generous and hopeful. Uh, so if I'm beating myself up, that's not the Lord. No, that, that's right. self-condemnation. Okay. How can I mature and develop a quiet mind? Just sit there with the Lord. Just, just get in his word. Yes. Ask him for a verse that's going to break that hold. Do I know how to refuse negative thoughts and replace it with positive ones? Now, this is not positive thinking. This is um, a self-regulation, taking negative rumination Realizing that it's negative, uh, that it's somebody else's toxic thoughts that are controlling you and controlling your emotions, that it's problems from your past that you need to release to find peace. Uh, it's self-care yes. to start thinking in a different terminology. And what I do is I, I learn to preach to myself, Josh. Yeah. And when I learn to preach to myself, now I can rise above my circumstances. What problems from other people would I need to release from to find my peace? Mm -hmm. What self-care priorities do I have in my daily routine? Do I need to say no to others to better manage my time and prevent me from being overwhelmed? 
how could I tactfully do this? Yeah, sometimes you have to do it tactfully. You don't want to hurt anybody else. Yes. You don't. You don't want to give them a wound on top of their wounds. Yeah. But you also don't want to be in the middle of their toxicity, prolonging their suffering either. Yes. Is there a circumstance that has me paralyzed to make decisions? Wow. Sometimes there are situations that paralyzes you, and that's when you go to your loved ones, you go to the people that you know care about you, and will tell you what's best for you and not what you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just go to people that will tell you whatever you want to hear. <laughs> Don't go to those people. Yeah. <laughs> go to the ones that will tell you what's best. <laughs> Call it the yes man. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't get us anywhere. No. Can I be manipulated with urgency and factious? Factitious. Factitious. Deadlines to make quick and foolish decisions do any recent examples come to mind uh you know there is some recent examples and what i'm learning to do is to tell people i'll think about it yeah. and by the time they call me back four hours later they say oh i've already worked it out and i'm like look at that <laughs> they went to the lord yes. yeah you know i'll tell them you go back to the lord yes. see see what god says i want you not to depend on me but to be able to stand on your own two feet yeah. i don't want to coddle them to where i keep them immature yeah how does my addicted loved one use other authorities to manipulate or extort from me financially. The landlord, attorney, probation officer says this must be paid now. Yeah, so a lot of times they'll come with urgent needs. Yeah. If they're looking for drug money, they're yeah. coming with urgent needs. It's got to be now. It's got to be cash. It got blah, blah, blah. That's, that's not. Don't, not a cent of yeah, it's going to those Yeah, don't, <laughs> don't fall for that. Watch for that cycle and get out of that. Yeah. Can I prepare to change? Can I be slow to make decisions and involve other responsible people? Can I turn this over to someone else that cannot be manipulated emotionally? Okay, so if you're a rescuer, if you're an enabler, if you're in sobriety and now your your friends are coming and they're wanting you to be their rescuer because they see that you're moving up, I want you to be very slow with making decisions. I want you to go to other responsible people and say, what do I do? What do I do? And they will probably tell you, okay, if you stay with somebody who is in active addiction, you will be in active addiction long before they're in active sobriety. So I need you to move on. I need you to put up some walls. And it looks, it looks like you're rejecting them, but you're not. What you're doing is saving yourself. Does that make sense? Because you can't be pulled into the fire. Yeah. So who do I have in my life that could protect me from abusers and manipulative people? What would I need to, to do to be compassionate and gracious to myself? Mm-hmm. I want you to put yourself first. Yes. If you're in toxic relationships, if you don't put yourself first, you're not going to get out of there. There's too, they're too, they're too um, gripping. There's too much uh, suffocation there, and it's, it's, you're too entangled with somebody else. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Are there... A- expectations I need to detach from are they mine or someone else's you know I have the expectation that if I just hang in there they're gonna love me they're yeah. gonna be grateful yes. well you know what some relationships that does work mm-hmm. they all of a sudden wake up and they're like my gosh what was I doing I'm so sorry yes. and you know you can move in you can move out you can maintain yourself you can set up boundaries you can always be the same with them you know um let them take care of their own problems, and, but still not just totally cut them off from your life. And then there's other people that no matter how hard, no matter how long, no matter how much love you give them, it is never going to be sanctified by your love, by your service. And I heard Pastor Kevin saying this on Sunday. He said, you cannot sanctify abuse 
with your love and your kindness and your service. Only the blood of Christ can do that. Yes. Man, that was powerful. It hit me yes. right between the eyes. And I was like, yes. okay, all right, that's my problem. That's why I'm still <laughs> got a, a cycle of anxiety as I'm serving this person is because I've not allowed the Lord to sanctify it. I just keep thinking I just need to love them a little more instead yeah. of really just saying, nope, I'm going to do my duty. Yeah. I'm going to give the rest of it to the Lord. I'm going to love me today. You know I, I'm going to do what's right for me. Yeah. So read the principle here. Detachment means minding my own business. Okay, mind your own business. I want you to make sure that your your heart's healthy and safe and and peaceful. Does yes. that make sense? I give you permission to be at peace. Detachment is not about ignoring my emotions. It is about taking responsibility for myself and balancing my empathy for others. Then I can detach from others who abuse or manipulate emotionally and financially. It can take a year of journaling and counseling to work through an issue to find emotional stability and to detach from people and circumstances I cannot change or control. Mm -hmm. If I get stuck in an exaggerated emotion for more than two weeks, I reach out for help from a trusted friend or counselor. Yeah, uh, and sometimes it takes a little while to find a counselor or a trusted friend that that really can understand where you're at. Yes. And that's why we go to um, recovery groups. Yes. Because somebody there has got that, has had that whole situation and yes. they can comfort you. Or worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're not going to look down on you. They're not going to judge yeah. you. Yeah. So yeah. exaggerated emotions are easy to identify because they are tormenting. So if you've got tormenting emotions, I want you to start with self-regulation. I want you to start working on yourself. And, you know, Josh, I can't do this if I'm over-focused on somebody else's problem. You're right. I Absolutely. can only do this if I detach from the toxic relationships and I start attaching to myself and working on my own self. That's a fact. Okay, right here. Um, knowing I am emotionally vulnerable to a certain person allows me to intentionally distance myself. This is needed for my protection. If a person can't hear me or ignores me it is better to talk to a brick wall <laughs> i need to uh -oh. be i need to be quiet and detached emotionally to provide healthy space for myself when you hear thoughts that are robbing you of the enjoyment of your day reject them and purposefully purposefully think wholesome thoughts give yourself 10 minutes once or twice a day to think about problems and possible solutions Set a timer, keep a running list, spend those 10 minutes worrying, fretting, or being angry. When the timer goes off, you have found no viable solutions. Get up and enjoy your day. And get up and shake it off. Yes. Enjoy your day. And if you think you can go back and talk to somebody about a problem you've already talked to them about three or four or five, ten times, no, just go talk to the wall about it. Yes, <laughs> you're gonna make as much progress, and you're actually gonna you're actually gonna realize how silly you are by trying to yes. help this person fix their problem. And they're it's not gonna get fixed till they're ready. They're yeah. not gonna stop drinking till they're ready to stop drinking. Yes. And as long as you're bringing them the groceries and and the the compassion and the and the pity, they're not gonna stop. They really need to feel the consequences of what they're doing. You're right. So we, uh, this has been lesson five, and we want Josh to pray us out of here today. Lord, we humbly ask you to guide me with your righteous right mm -hmm. hand. Help me to reject my obsessive, rambling, noxious thinking and replace it with the word of God. Help me to intentionally think right thoughts. Give me a mature thinking skill. Help me to balance my compassion with strong boundaries so I'm not allowing myself to be abused. Help me to reject toxicity and walk away without self-condemnation. Father, may you be my strength and my fortress in the days of trouble. 
Jesus' amen. name, amen. Amen, amen. So there's no condemnation to those who walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. So if I'm condemning myself, am I in the Spirit or the flesh? Yes, you're right. Which one? Flesh. <laughs> so I got to stop. Do the Spirit doesn't do it. No. The Holy Spirit will only never good. condemn you. He's only going to love you. He's yeah. only going to give you mercy. He's only going to give you peace. Yeah. And this is Angie Meadows. And this is Josh Bond. And we love you. We love you. Bye-bye.